0: Amen. Praise you, Jesus. If you have your Bible scriptures ready, we're going to go into the book of Genesis, and uh, I I'm don't really have this single scripture to, to work off of here. What did I say? Genesis? No, Galatians. I'm sorry. The book of Galatians. Um, but I'm looking at these, this group of scriptures in the third chapter from the 24th to the, through the 29th. And um, there's a phrase that, that just popped out to me. It's in the end of the 28th verse. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one. In Christ Jesus. Paul was talking to the Galatian church which. Were struggling. They were struggling with. Who they were in Christ. They had those who had come in among them and told them you need to go back in the law. You need to, you need to work under the law. and Circumcision was one of those things. Um. I'm sure they were bringing in all the, the laws, the dietary stuff, all the rigmarole with the law. And Paul's trying to free them. He's trying to teach them. Don't turn to another gospel, he says. don't, don't Even though somebody comes, it might look like they're even an angel. Don't go to another gospel because what we have given you is this freedom in Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about that this morning a little bit. And uh, we're all one in Christ Jesus. Lord, we just pray this morning that you would just move on our hearts. We ask you, Lord, that your word would get into our life, Lord. You know how to bring it down to the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And so, God, we just pray this morning this, this church body. And I believe that you've set us. I believe now we're here. We're, we're where you designed for us to be. And we need to be what you've designed for us to do. And God, we just ask you through this, open our hearts a little bit. There may be somebody here that, that isn't seeing just exactly this direction. And we ask you, Lord, to open it, Lord. Open it to us. Always correct us with your word, Lord. Always correct us by your spirit. Lord, and bring us into a right understanding and a right knowledge. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Because there's something that I need to say at the end that is more or less a challenge for this church. And so, so we're going to be working that direction. Paul, in this setting of Scripture, and I didn't read it all, but in this setting of Scripture, he wants to talk about the law. And I know that it's something that, that we've kind of put to rest in this body. We don't, but there are others that really uh, are caught between an Old and a New Testament. And they have a difficult time finding the liberty in Christ Jesus. Kind of staying under the law, working out of some some old things that are in the law, and really not wanting to let go of some of those issues and press on into Christ. And so, this is not something that's, you know, this age. We go all the way back to the first church age. So this is a couple thousand years old. This, This idea that that where do we fit between the law and the liberty to walk in Christ Jesus. And so this address to them is going to try to, he's going to, try to explain to them, and not just in this little short setting, but this whole book. Um, it, it teaches us that, that the law was good and the law did what it, it was intended to do. In fact, he uses this word, and we've used it before, brought this out, but he says the law was a pedagogue. That's the Greek word, a pedagogue. It's not a bad word. It, it doesn't have anything to do with, with harming children, but peta. it's leading children. It's, it's bringing them to. I came up with this idea that, that the pedagogue is, is more or less like the bus driver. Uh, the bus driver gets you to the school and so this parallel that's made here is that the law brought us to Christ the law in itself was not what God desired so that's kind of hard because we've always been taught and I want to talk about this a little bit the whole Jewish thing and so it's still in the church we call ourselves Judeo-Christian right anybody say right I mean that's what they call the movement on TV, you know, or or they address it. One of one of the uh, politicians may address it, and they'll call it, usually call it Judeo Christianity. They want to talk about that, and so uh, this is this is inside of of what's going on in Christianity. It always has been, but the law is this brings us to Christ. Now I want to read you Romans nine chapter and the fourth verse through the sixth. The Israelites had the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the law-giving and the services and the promises. And these are the fathers. It belonged to the early fathers of the faith. And And then it says, and of whom Christ is Christ according to the flesh. So they not only had the law, the services, the promises, the covenants, the glory, but they also had Christ according to the flesh. Then it makes this statement. The one being God over all, blessed forever. Your English translation doesn't read it that way. What it says is the one who is God blessed forever. But what, again, what Paul has done, to the Roman churches, to bring them, to show them that Israel had it all. They had everything. There wasn't anything outside of them. You couldn't go to another nation in another place. And find the will of God. They had it all. They had the covenant. They had the glory. They had the services inside of the temple and the tabernacle. They had the priesthood. They had everything. And then they had Christ. And so Christ, God, appears in the flesh, listen, in their lineage, in their culture, and in their world. See, he could have come anywhere. He could have come in another nation. He could have Designed this so that, there we go, so that, that he, he came in the wilderness somewhere and then just, just come to the Jews as a Messiah. No, he was born in the middle of them, right square in the middle of everything that they were, their culture, their society, their government, their system, everything about them, their God appears in them problem is, is that Jesus was out of step with their system and their order. And so because of this, there came a problem. You know what happened. Ultimately, they hung him. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. We know that's ultimately what happened. But when we look at the Jews and, and this system that, that Jesus was in, it just he just doesn't fit in what they're doing because... They've gone from the Lord, and they've only worshipped Him now with their lips. They don't worship Him with their heart. They don't know who He is. They don't know who God is. Malachi said, "This, this Lord that you've been looking for will suddenly come in His temple. But they're not looking for that. They're looking for some kind of a captain of an army to deliver them out of the hands of the Roman Empire. But He comes in their world, in their system But he is out of order. Now, their justification, and Paul Paul writes this in this this part here, their justification was by works of the law and the service that they did. There was no justification any other way. It was by the order. Part of that order is what? It, It is that sacrificial system. Part of the orders, all that they're doing there in the tabernacle. They're they're burning the the lamp to God, they're putting the incense in them, burning the incense to God, and, and they're going through all of the rigmarole that has that goes on in the tabernacle and the temple. And to them, that is their justification. That they follow that, that they do that the best they can, that the high priest does a sacrifice of a lamb once a year for the sins of the nation. This is their justification. But Paul says this, Christ offered justification, not through temple order, not through services, not through sacrifice, but through faith in Christ Jesus. This is our justification. I'm not here this morning because I'm good. Uh, You're not here today. You're not in the body of Christ today because you have earned it. Some people feel like they're earning it. They feel like by their service, their service in the body of Christ, their service to the poor, their service to the world, that somehow they're earning the favor of God. There is no justification in it. It might be good. Those are good things to do. But justification comes alone by the faith in Jesus Christ. And what's beautiful about that is it doesn't matter who you are and what your talents are, what your abilities are, and whether you have the finances to do this or that or the other. That has nothing to do with your justification. It all lies in the faith of Jesus Christ. So you can be the poorest one here this morning. You could be the the richest one this morning. You could be the healthiest and strongest and youngest. You could be the oldest here this morning. You can be unable, incapable. But if you can have faith in Jesus Christ... Justification is in your life. And so it's a beautiful thing what the Lord offers. But with that, with the justification in faith in Christ, there is no longer a need for the pedagogue, the law in your life. Brother Dustin, it's probably been a year ago now that he made this statement, just kind of stays with me. It would be easier if we could just do the law. It's all written down. We just do that. God, just give us some stuff to do and we'll do it. No. We don't walk by that. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so every day, in every circumstance, in every corner, turn of your life, it isn't about... Something that's written down that you can follow. It is about your faith in Jesus Christ and following the Spirit of God. Sure, absolutely the Word of God is correct and true and we use it in our life. But the Spirit of God has to lead us. It is faith in Him for justification. Everybody said amen right there. So the Gentile church, which the Galatians were, the Gentile church, is not founded upon the Old Testament. But rather, if you read the book of Acts, Paul goes from town to town, goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and what does he do there? Proves to them that Jesus is the Christ through the Old Testament. The pedagogue was good. It still is good. It's good to look back at And to prove that Jesus is the Christ. to listen to what Isaiah said. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Those things are written in an old time. But they're not for that. They're for us. Because faith in Christ supersedes any faith, anything that went on in an Old Testament time. And so let me say this statement. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings here because what's out there in the world and what people preach, I'm telling you what, there is this, this like we're tied to the apron strings of Judaism. It's almost God's duty for you to give money to the people that say they're helping the Jews. They come on TV all the time. They'll find some little old woman who is the oldest woman in the world. She's just broken down and living in poverty and say, this Jewish woman, we need to help this Jewish woman. Well, I, You know, let me say this. Roles have changed. <clears throat> the Jew is not the children of God any longer. John says it this way. Now, we... Are the children of God? I don't know if you ever kind of looked at it like that. It says, "Now we are the children of God." No, now we are the children of God, not them. And I don't mean that to, to harm in any way, but but there's the, there's this connection that that somehow we've got to hold on to. And and uh, listen, the, the the Jewish population in Israel is so tiny that they say there's more in in uh, the state of New York than there are more Jews in the state of New York than there is in Israel but yet some, some appeals to us they come on there and say we need the support. we got to fly them back everybody back to Israel and restore them back to the home it's something just just turns over in us because of the pedagogue because of the law because of what was but we who were once dead in our trespasses and sins strangers the scripture says to the commonwealth of the house of God, have been made citizens in that kingdom by the reconciliation of Jesus Christ. The kingdom does not belong to the Jewish system. Is everybody okay? If you're okay, just quietly saying amen. It doesn't belong to them. The kingdom belongs to the Lord. He makes a statement here. It says, Brothers, we are the children of promise according to Isaac. Now you're going to have to go a little further with that in some other places to where he talks about that and breaks it down a little bit. In one place he will say, later on in the fourth chapter, he will say the comparison between the free and the bond, the par- comparison between uh, Hagar and Ishmael and Isaac. They had Isaac, the fathers, they had it all. They had Abraham, Isaac. But now they are not of the free, they are of the bondwoman. They're not of Jerusalem anymore. That almost kind of hurts our feelings. And even Paul says, I wish. I would give my life, he says, I would give my life to see my brethren understand this gospel. But they don't understand it, and so they're struggling. They think that they are the promise according to Isaac, and they're not. The church is the promise according to Isaac. God said, not many seeds, Abraham, but one seed, and that one seed is Christ. Christ. So why are so many Christian people hanging on to Judaism? He goes on to say those that are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. I want to talk about baptism for just a minute. It just seems like there's been so much about baptism. Since we've been here, it's been a lot about baptism. Back in the 1500s, the church was killing each other over baptism. Literally putting people to death. One faction believed that you baptized children. And that was the norm. And then the Anabaptists come up and they say, No, you don't baptize people until they accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. So you can't baptize children because they believed if you baptize children, they were always saved if you baptized. And they literally were arresting each other and putting each other to death over baptism. The separation in the church has never changed. Right now. People are putting other people to spiritual death over baptism. And it's this simple right here. It is this simple. If you are baptized into Christ... That's not the key. The key is you put on Christ. You don't put on baptism, you put on Christ. You don't put on dogma and doctrine, you put on Christ. Because, because baptism is a separator. And what name are we baptizing in? Somebody said, well, we've we got to go to Matthew 28. We baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And after study on that, I'm gonna have to, to say, boy, there were some things that were inserted into this into the text there. And so, you know, how do we baptize when then another group says, no, we baptize, and you have to do it this way that I baptize you in the name of Jesus for the remission of all your sins. But the scripture leads us neither way. I'm gonna tell you it's this simple. You just get baptized into Christ. We're just we're just going down in Christ. We're not making, we're not making our church about baptism. That's not what the church is about the church is about jesus christ so put on him put on christ that's encouragement and not a special formula about baptism it's just as simple we are identified with him in death and burial and in resurrection in a new life in christ jesus there's no power in water can you say amen The power is in the faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to take you to verse 28 and read the whole verse, okay? If you have your scriptures uh, still open there. Galatians 3, 28. And I I want to read this. I want to read it slowly, and we're going to go somewhere with this. Let's read it in King James. So, just 28th verse there. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's good, you know. That's the the rendering of the Greek text. But problem, Greek text doesn't read that way. It's just a yeah, it's a little little tweak on it here. And and so, if we're looking at it through the eyes of King James, then then what we say that, there, that the, the meaning should be this, that in a kingdom of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, there should be no nationalism, right? There should be no, we are U.S. citizens and they are just Russians. And so, you know, like the U.S. are hating the Russians and hating the Chinese. And so we know, we understand that racism in the kingdom of God just is, is, is just not welcome, Right? Little sign outside of Anderson, it said, Racism is not welcome here. No racism here, something like that. Huh? No room for racism. Well, I was close. No room for racism. And we know in the body of Christ we believe that, right? We don't, this morning we have some that have some Hispanic background. I don't know if we have any Asian. We used to have Brother De La Vega, Filipino, and Brother Herman, our dear brother, he was black. That it there, there is no you know race in the kingdom of God. Just there's just no room for racism or or nationalism. That we're better than other people because we are Americans. So we're proud to be Americans. I am proud of America. And when they when they raise that flag and and sing that song and we are just you know something moves in us because we're Americans. We're we're proud about that. And but. In the kingdom of God, we go another direction. There, there should be no nationality in the kingdom of God, right? And so then the second one is, what, what did it say? Um, there is no bond nor free. And so we consider that to be, you know, kind of social considerations. Rich or poor, and I just mentioned that. There's no rich or poor. We should, what, what did James say? A rich man comes in and you set him in a good place and you tell the other guy, go sit in the back somewhere because we have favorites. We we love to honor those people who have done well in life. But we know that that shouldn't be in the kingdom of God, whether you have a dollar, or a million dollars, that doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. And I've said it this way, I still believe it. Whether you walked here this morning, whether you rode a bicycle here this morning, or roll up here in a Rolls Royce, it doesn't matter when you get in this house, none of that matters. Then the next one is, is they're neither male nor female. Man, we got a mess here now. For those churches that don't know better, There's just two genders. Sorry about that. You could take a man and cut off all his manly parts and and glue womanly parts onto him, and you've got a man with womanly parts. You do the same with a woman. She'll never be a man. A man will never be a woman. And now, after some years, people are coming back that has had that done to them and saying, don't allow this to happen. Don't let children do this. Because they know that you can't change the exterior because it goes deeper than that. But they're in the kingdom of God. And I never thought, thought you'd have to preach that men are men and women are women. But you, you've got to preach it now. You, you, you've got to you've got to tell our little children, which the world around them is telling them, that you don't know who you are, so just experiment about who you are. You don't know your gender. No, we need to teach them our, their gender. Little nip coming up. He's going to know he's a man. We're all going to tell him. Our little girls come up. We're going to tell them they're little girls. But even that really shouldn't even exist in the kingdom of God. Let me, let me read this. These are all in place. In church, but let, me, let me read this to you how it says it in the, in the Greek. Okay? Everybody ready? There is not present... We're talking about the kingdom of God. There is not present Jew or Greek. There is not present slave or free man. There is not present male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now. You don't get to identify inside the body of Christ as a Jew. It's not there. It doesn't exist. You might think it exists, but it doesn't exist in the body of Christ. Well, I'm not one of those Jews. I'm a Gentile. No. Not in the body of Christ you're not. Well, I come in here and I'm a you know, I'm a boss over a job. No. No, you're not. Well, I'm just a measly little slave and, and, a, and a servant and I do just a little menial work and hardly get any pay. No. It's not even in the kingdom. It's not even present. Well, I'm a big man and, you know, bless God, I've been to a lot of Pentecostal churches that hardly had any men in them. They were run by women and it was a mess. And we love our women, but they just aren't to run the church. I mean, sorry about that. That's the gospel. Where would we be without our women? But there is none of that inside the kingdom of God. So, what are we doing? The Lord's kingdom erases every distinction. From among the body. Now stay with me here a little bit. The only thing that's common in the kingdom. Is his children. Everyone. Are cut out of the same cloth. This is so goes against modern teaching. In fact somebody got up and and was talking about somebody else. And how great they were. They are such a gift to the body of Christ. Balderdash! We are everyone cut out of the same cloth. There's nobody in here wearing a different cloth. Nobody in here is any different. We are all the same in the faith in Yeshua, Jesus Christ alone. So now I want to take you somewhere where church will not take you and I'm going to take you there this morning and say God help us help us to understand something here Lord what, what is it that you're trying to say through these scriptures that we just read in the in the kingdom of God there is not present in the kingdom called the true church the children of God the body of Jesus Christ let me tell you what is not present in in the body of Christ, the church, the kingdom of God. Let me tell you what's not present. Baptists. They're not present in the kingdom of God. Methodist. There's no Methodist present in the kingdom of God. Pentecostals. There are no Pentecostals in the kingdom of God. Just hang with me a little bit and we'll get it figured out. There are no fundamentalists. There's no evangelicals in the kingdom of God. There's no full gospelites in the kingdom of God. There is no holiness factions in the kingdom of God. There is no non-denominationalist like us. We are non-denominationalist. There's no non-denominationalist in the kingdom of God. There are no Jesus culturists in the kingdom of God. We know the guys that started that. We know for sure that's not in the kingdom of God. There is no neighborhood and community soft gospel churches in the kingdom of God. It's just not there. There's no small church mentality in the kingdom of God. There is no mega church, large church mentality, the way we minister, the way we go, the way we go about business, in the kingdom of God. There is no word of faith vassals. People are trying to own things they don't own. Vassals in the kingdom of God. There are no oneness vigilante groups in the kingdom of God or there are no die-hard Roman Catholic Trinity defenders in the kingdom of God. None of these distinctions exist within the boundaries of the kingdom of the Lord. I don't know how to do it other than to preach to us, but it's time that this heresy was called out. It's time that heresy... The biggest church heresy there is is not a point of doctrine. It's not water baptism. It's not a point of Holy Ghost. The biggest heresy there is is separation within the body of Christ. That's the biggest heresy that there is. And Christianity doesn't want to deal with it. They never have. They still don't want to. I mean, this thing is 500 years old. Denomination is 500 years old. They were fighting then. They're still fighting now. They were worried about the ins and outs of how they saw things then, and they're worried about it now. And has splintered into thousands of what we call Christian denominations and groups. One fighting against the other. If these taglines that we just, I didn't get them all, but I just got some. If these taglines separate in any way from the rest of the body of Christ, then they are not of the body of Christ. I think we only know what we've been given, folks. Folks. That's all we know. All we know is what we've been handed down. All I know is what I've been raised in when I was a little kid and coming up. That's all I know. And what I know says we're right and they're wrong. What I know says is that we can't associate with them because they don't believe exactly like we believe. And probably they are not going to heaven because they don't believe exactly like we believe. But according to the holy writ of God, there is only one criteria as acceptance into the kingdom of God. And it's not the shingle over the door. It's not your, your set of doctrines that you have. There is one criteria into the kingdom of God. And that is complete and total faith in Jesus Christ. And that is selling out selling out of who you are and what you are, and forsaking your sin and your unrighteousness and embracing this new life in Jesus Christ. This is the criteria for the kingdom. This is the one who are the children of God. Walking in Him and growing in Him and growing in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we have set up lines in the kingdom that are not to be crossed. We can't associate with that church because they do this, this, that, and the other. And that may be some truth in that. But we're talking about those that are following Jesus Christ. Talking about those who love the body of Christ. Those who love the kingdom of God. And they may be in other churches. It doesn't mean that I embrace everything that goes on in that church. But I just got a phone call just the other day. And it always starts out this way. What do you believe? And what is your doctrine down there in that church? And they didn't come this morning even though they were interested. They called and, and but yet wanted to argue about about doctrinal beliefs and what are you going to do with the Trinity and what are you going to do with this and that and and I kept trying to tell them we preach Christ, we love Him, we honor Him, we live for Him, He's the first, He is the one that we adore, He's the one we lift up, that's what our church is about it's about Jesus, no what about when Jesus was in the water and He heard the voice from heaven said, I don't even want to talk about that because unless you know Jesus there's no room for growth in your life, you will never understand anything else but what you understand until you get into Christ and then when you get into Christ you begin to grow in him thank God there's room for growth everybody say amen I thank God there's room for growth and there's only going to be growth in your life if there's room in your life for growth Of course, every church, every, every denomination, every organization feels like that we're preaching the truth. You've got to feel that way. If you don't feel that way, you leave that and go to something else. So you feel like this is the truth. We're preaching it. But I want you to know this morning, we preach out of the light that we have. We try and stay in Scripture, but the Scripture doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the kingdom. It doesn't belong to Pentecostals. It belongs to people who repented their life and come to Jesus in the Baptist church, in the Methodist church, in the Pentecostal church, in the holiness church downtown that doesn't want anything to do with anybody else. They need to grow up in the Lord and realize that the kingdom's not about them. It's not about their movement. It's not about their mantra. It's not about their doctrine. It is about Jesus and Him glorified and crucified and glorified in the church. So I said, God, help us. I can't preach to them. Help us. Does that mean that we won't gather in places that we believe that that what is being taught is right? No, that's what we'll do. But there's room in the kingdom. There just isn't any Jews and Gentiles in the kingdom. Come on, say amen. They're just not there. So the Lord looks at Claremore and he says, well, Chelsea. Let's go to Chelsea. Chelsea has the more churches per capita than any place in Oklahoma. I said, wow. So it's not a very big town, but they have lots of churches. Brother Denton sends their children to one of the churches in Chelsea. You know, they're right close to Chelsea sends their children to the school and those people will not fellowship with their church. We trust our children to go to your school and they won't even fellowship with them. What's wrong with the body of Christ? What is the factor that makes us children of God? Is it something that we figured out in church? Or is it Jesus Christ, the one who reconciles us, who we were lost in sin? I don't care what you call yourself. You were lost in sin. I don't care what church you came to. But if you found Jesus Christ, you have been elevated out of darkness and been translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. So Lord, help us. God help us. I feel the Lord is calling this body. So, we've had this, you know, it's around town. You can go into some places, and they'll say, you talk to them for a little bit, and they'll say, and, and, and Heather's made this quite public because of her job and, and Brandon, and people come in, and so it kind of spread around. Oh, you're some of those people that came from California. Did you come with that group? Oh, yeah, yeah, we came with that group. So What are you doing now? Well, we, you know. And and there's this like, they're happy we're here. I don't think they'll ever visit the church. They're just happy we're here. Hey, we gained some souls and Satan lost some good right arms, right? So I think the Lord is calling this body for something different. I think he's, he's situated us in a place for some difference. I think the Lord's calling this body to have a heart of inclusion for brethren who love and serve Jesus, even though they need some growth in their life. And I can be mad and I can have preconceived ideas about the Methodist, big Methodist church right over by us. And I saw their sign and I called them. I didn't get through to anybody. Oh no, pastor's not here. I couldn't, couldn't talk to him. But I went by there for probably months until I realized that they had altar service on Thursday, but it wasn't A-L-T-A-R, altar. It was A-L-T-E-R. Alternate service. I said, uh-oh. I'm going to call them and give them a big rebuke. And the Lord didn't allow me to get through. And I'm going to tell you why. I was wrong. I'll tell you why. That church just had a vote in their congregation. And I think it was unanimous. 400 and something people voted we are not taking the path that the Methodist church is taking in accepting the gays and the LGBT LGBTs. That church did that. And they are known in that community. They are known downtown. The pastor is known downtown. Later on, I did talk to him for a little bit, but not about that. But, but here I am prejudging this thing before I even know what's going on. And so the Lord arrests my heart and says, Look! There are brethren there that love Jesus. They're walking for Jesus. They're not living in sin. They're not condoning sin. They're trying to keep from it. Thank God that a church would stand up and say, we're not doing that. And so where are we at with that? Somehow, I want to fellowship the Christian people of that church. We went to some places where... I'm not sure I'll go back. Y'all went to one place with us. We all went and got some rebukes and a lot of other things. And Some of our kids saw something they'd never seen before. Somebody down on the floor crawling around and things, you know. But I want to tell you something. There are people in, those, in that place that love the Lord. They may have some wrong leadership. They may have some wrong understanding. There may be some things that need to be corrected in their in their body just like us. But there are people there that love Jesus. They have dedicated their heart to Jesus. They are living for Jesus even though... They have this sign over them that says, I am holy and righteous and you're not. God needs to help them. And how is he going to help them if they don't see people who love Jesus anyway and can see through that stuff and say, I'm going to love you anyway, brother, even though you don't even believe that I am saved, I'm still going to love you if somehow God can cause growth in your life. Everybody say amen. It's a tough one. But I feel like God is calling us to do that, to break down the lines of separation and to build up lines of fellowship. I'm going to close right here, but (laughs) so early. We heard a message. It's it's been a few months ago now, and Rodney said, you've got to hear this. He says, at the breakup of the uh, United Pentecostal Church. There was a part of the church that, that wanted to go a little bit different direction. They didn't want to be so hardline um, about beards. You know, the Lord wore a beard, right? So they got convicted and said, maybe we shouldn't be so hard on that. Jewelry. We went to a church the other day. I loved the brother. We didn't know it, but neck ties are... Neck jewelry. I didn't even know that. But I believe those people love the Lord. I do not agree that wearing a tie is neck jewelry. Even if it is, I don't believe jewelry is wrong. Does anybody remember the story of the prodigal son... What was the first thing the father did when he came back home? Put a ring on his finger and a robe on his back. The Lord was contradicting his own will. Jewelry. You know, so anyway, we just leave that where it's at. But I believe those people love the Lord. Not, I'm not saying but I believe that there are those there that we need to fellowship this man that preached this sermon in the UPC, and, and we listened to it, was he was calling out what would happen in this separation if fragments went one way and another. And he said, brethren, we started out this way. And I want to say this to this church. We started out this way. We did never agree on everything. And I want you to know that this church is never going to agree on everything that everybody else is doing. But he said, they chose, in the inception of the church and the movement, they chose to fellowship it. That's like a weird term. To fellowship it. Because they weren't going to exclude their brothers, even though they believed that wearing a beard was wrong, they didn't want to exclude them because they were brothers in Christ. They need to change some of that stuff. That's obvious. And and you go the other way, go all the way down to liberal churches, which, now I'm going to draw a line when they quit living for Jesus, I'm not fellowshipping that. And when they allow the LGBTQ and everything else in, I am not fellowshipping that because that's not of Christ. But brethren that love the Lord and they have separated themselves and they have put Christ on and now those that name the name of Christ let them depart from iniquity and if they're doing that then I have to fellowship them. It's necessary for the breakdown of separation in the body of Christ. I told these people the other day that called us on the phone I said listen I have people come and speak at our church that don't have the same doctrine as we do. I've known Brother Man for years and years. Love that guy. That guy loves the Lord. He's That's not phony when he's running and jumping down there and tears pouring out of his eyes. That's not phony. He's not putting that on. He loves Jesus. He doesn't I talked to him just a little about what we believe, about the centrality of Christ and him being Lord. And, and you know what? The last three times I have heard him preach, four times, he has lifted up the Lord and that's where he's going. He's growing in that factor. In Christ coming to fullness in his ministry. You know what he's doing now when he's at home? They're fellowshipping some at a Baptist church. And why is that? He feels like there's people in there, they're preaching the gospel, there's people that love the Lord there, and he's trying to help there as the best he can. We went. Kay and I went to a Baptist church here just a couple of months ago on a, on a Sunday. Remember, we had something down. They, they blocked us from being there. We went out to this little old Baptist church, and the poor little guy, he did the best he could. I mean, he was, he was more old than I am. And he did the best he could. And I walked out of that place, and I said, that man loves the Lord. It's the duty of Christians to break down the lines. Can you say amen? So we are called Echoes of Calvary, which I don't know why you have to name a church, but you do. You got to name a church. But we're just Christian people. We just believe the Lord. Can you say amen? And we want to love God's people. I want to get to know some of God's people that the lines have separated us from knowing. I want to be able to talk to some of them, to sit down with some of them and say, let's talk about Jesus. Let's don't talk about doctrine. Amen? We're going to maintain our doctrine. Yes, we believe what the Scripture says, but but that's not going to divide us from reaching out to the body of Christ because it's time that the world sees... That the body of Christ is not just this bunch of faction people that hate one another, that are that are still aggravated with uh, with each other after thousands of years and go in our own direction. The body of Christ needs to unify. And I'm not talking about uh, you know, every kind of thing just coming together. I'm talking about those that love Jesus and are walking for him and living for him and have denied the flesh. We are brethren. Amen. Because the final line is we are all one in Christ Jesus. That's it. Don't like it? Tough. Don't like what they're doing? Tough. We've got to break down lines. Can you say amen? I believe it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Amen. Amen. When God teaches us John said this, you know, and i like, they will know that you are the disciples of Christ. How? By your doctrine? By your fighting? By your baptisms? Or is it because you love the body of Christ? And we do love the body of Christ. Can you say amen? So from this point, I say, God, okay, We've preached this message and i felt this on my heart. I've been feeling that. I've been talking to Rodney about it. So I, just, I just feel like that God wants to use this body. How many believe that we're here for a purpose? Come on, just raise your hand. If you believe we're here for a purpose. It's, ah, no, you just, just got a wild hair and decided to move to Oklahoma. Well, you can feel that way if you want to. But I believe God designed something here. And we're making some inroads. We're making some inroads. In two Sundays... We're going to have the little Jared and Elizabeth are going to come and sing. I'm going to tell you something. I don't know exactly what they believe as far as doctrines and the holy. Are they holiness? I don't know. Are they Trinitarians? I don't know. But I found something in that guy. He loves Jesus. When he got up and gave his testimony, man, I was in tears. God saved him out of a out of a pit and brought him up and he sings for the Lord Jesus Christ we've got to fellowship that amen let's stand together thank you Lord God I just pray that you use this little country church we don't have any influence downtown and maybe it's a good thing we don't Lord, from this point, I I know that we are called echoes of God. That that doesn't mean anything. It's just just a shingle over the door. We're a body of Christ. Lord, we want a fellowship to reach out, to touch. God, we want to be integrated in the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, that you open those doors. I pray that every one of us, every single person in this house right here this morning, would realize the necessity of breaking down barriers for people who love Jesus. Lord and anoint us in it. Anoint us in it. I believe you're going to do that. I believe you're going to do that Lord. Put us in opportunities and places. That we can get this done. And we'll do our best. Just in this little town. Just in this little area. To make your kingdom Lord. There is no Jew. There is no Greek. There is no Gentile. There is no bond or free. There is no man woman thing in the kingdom. It's all Everyone, faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless the food and the fellowship as we go out and enjoy that. We thank you, Lord. Amen.